I'm incredibly excited for what I feel like God has put on my heart uh, to share with our community tonight. I just want to say that whatever you came in here with, um, please hear this one. Believing or thinking about God, that you belong here just as you are. That there's no perfect people allowed in the story of God. That you might look at some people around you and be like, hmm, looks like they got to figure out. They don't. Don't worry. We're all in this together. And it's better to be together. And we're stoked that you chose to come and kick it with us tonight. It's going to be a good time. We're going to take the next few moments, look at a story together out of the Bible. And the title that I'm giving tonight's message and what I'm calling it is Purpose to Party. Purpose to Party. So turn to the person next to you and say, we got a purpose to party. <laughs> we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 15 in the Bible. And we read the Bible here at GC, uh, not because of some like history book, not because it's some full of some like boring facts or like a religious idol. Uh, we read the Bible here at GC because we believe it is in fact the living word of God. That every word in this book is inspired by God. And the more that you and I read it, the more that you and I eat it and take it in uh, and digest it, the better our lives will be. So we're going to pick it up in a story in the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 15, and our main man Jesus is on the scene, and we're going to read Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to read Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. Uh, Jesus, in this moment, he's telling a story that has three parts. The first part is about a lost sheep. We've talked about that before. The second part is what we're talking about tonight, and then the final part is about these two lost sons and their father. So this is what the Bible says, Luke chapter 15 Starting in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the coin that I lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So right here, Luke chapter 15, the Bible opens us up. And Jesus is on the scene. And the Bible records that Jesus is talking to two different types of people. Two very different types of people. And this is awesome. The first type of people, the Bible describes them as sinners and tax collectors. A.K.A. people like you and me. People that are just like, hey, we just out here trying to live our best life. It's okay. And then the Bible describes these other group of people as scribes and Pharisees. Super religious people. People who are like, man, we're all about the law. And we're going to just stay all about the law. And it's going to be great. And they knew their stuff. And it's incredible because Jesus is talking to both types of people. Jesus is talking to all the people. And then he goes on. And Jesus tells this story. He says, hey, there's this woman. She got ten coins. And she loses one. So what is she going to do? And the Bible records that she looks all over the house. She searches and searches. Then she finds the coin. She goes out in the street. She says, hey, come over to my place. We're going to throw a party. It's going to be great. I found this coin. I lost it. But it's found. So let's party. And then the Bible says in verse 10 that that's the kind of joy that is in heaven when someone who is lost becomes found. And my hope tonight 
is that you and I, over these next few moments, as we unpack this story, that we would see the truth that if we are found, we've got a purpose to pardon. So as we dive in, would you pray with me real quick? Let's pray together. Lord God, thanks so much for these moments that we get to share together right now as a community of young people. Lord God, we thank you that you're in this space. Would you help us to lean into you? Would you give us enough courage to believe right here and right now that you want to speak to us? Jesus, would these be your words? And would you transform and change our hearts? Lord God, we love you. We praise you. And we ask in Jesus' name that the Sonics will come back to Seattle in 2021. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Show of hands. Anybody, anybody ever play basketball before? Show of hands. Okay. Even like as a little kid. You ever shoot it? Good. So, uh, basketball is one of my favorite sports. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. Anybody know? Hey, hey. Might have a side career. Hello. No, but I love I love basketball. Uh, I truly do. I love it. Like, if there was a ranking system, it would be like Jesus, Alyssa, like Chick-fil-A, no, Finley, Chick-fil-A, and then probably basketball. And then like family, friends, like things like that. But uh, I suck at basketball. I'm not very good at it. And in seventh grade, uh, I, I played on an AAU basketball team. Uh, AAU is like competitive. There's PAA, and then there's AAU, or Tide Select now is what it's called. You guys are cooler now. But you have to like try out. And I tried out, and I made it, because I'm a, I'm a beast. But I made this team, and it was like a traveling team. So you would have to like go all over. And we were playing one day, Saturday, seventh grade, in downtown Seattle. And we entered into this tournament, and there's a bunch of my buddies from Gig Harbor. We go, we're like, man, we're going to smack these fools. It's going to be fantastic. And we, like, show up in the gym. And I, like, my, my physique wasn't always like this, okay? Didn't hit my growth spurt until, like, probably ninth grade. So I was like a wee little munchkin. And we walk into the gym, and we look around. And these other seventh graders, I'm not lying to you, they're like Wilt the Still. They're like huge people. Like, my parents, I thought they fed me well. I think these people, like, ate whole horses for lunch and dinner. They were just crazy. They're like massive human beings. And I was like, we're going to get smacked. But that's okay. We, we got more heart, heart than them. It's going to be fine. So we, like, get out onto the court. And we're out there. And I'm, like, sizing my guy up. And I'm legit, like, this tall, probably. And he's legit, like, like probably, like, this tall. Seventh grader, okay? I don't even... Like, where did they find him? And I match up against him. I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to pray for you the whole game. No, I'm not. Curse the teeth of the wicked, Lord. And I'm like, I'm going to polarize this guy. So we're playing. And, like, first quarter, it's like, okay, like, we're doing all right. Like, score's tied in the first quarter. Second quarter, we realize, like, hmm, these guys seem to be trying a little bit harder. Like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, in the second quarter, they scored like 40 points on us. And we scored zero points. And then all of a sudden they started doing this thing called a four-court press. Which means that they're like when you're trying to inbound the ball, they're like hovering all around you. Like little heathens. And they're like trying to like not let the ball get inbounds. Well, me and my buddies, we didn't know about a full-court press. Our coach didn't tell us about this. So what happens is, is when you see like people who you think are like you're defending them but actually they're defending you, and then you get past the ball, 
underneath their hoop and you don't dribble to your hoop that's on the other side of the court and you just pull up like right underneath because you think that they're defending you. I mean, you're defending them and you think you stole the ball on the inbounds pass and then all of a sudden you score in your own basket. That's what your boy did. Seventh grade, downtown Seattle, scored on my own basket. Coach takes me out again and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean, what am I doing? I just stole the ball and put it in. He's like, no, you scored on your own basket. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. Long story short, and I'm not making this up. You can ask my dad about this. By the third quarter, they shut the scoreboard off because we were getting whooped by that much. And it was horrible. And then, I never played AAU basketball again. And it was great. Now I just play two squat versus monster, and it's even better. But the reason I tell you that story is I will never forget the emotion leaving the gym that day, feeling small and insignificant. Feeling really small and insignificant. You ever felt small before? Maybe not like physically small, but you ever felt like small in the eyes of other people? You ever felt insignificant before? You ever had somebody make you feel unimportant or of little of value? I think that no matter who we are in here tonight and no matter what we believe about God or what we don't believe about God, maybe not all of the time, but there are moments in our lives where I think that we've all felt small and insignificant. I think that we have that in common as young people. That no matter who we are, there's moments in our lives where we feel like we are small and insignificant. And in both cases, no matter who we are, I think that when we believe that, let me encourage you tonight, you are believing a complete lie. That you were not created small or insignificant. And my hope is that over these next few moments, you would stop believing that lie and rest in the truth about who God says that you are. In this story, in Luke chapter 15 of what we just read, the woman in this story, the Bible says, loses a coin. A coin. Just one coin. And the Bible says that she sweeps the whole house. She looks everywhere. She's like digging in the cracks of the couch. She's overturning all of the cushions. She's searching in the pillows. She's looking in the cupboards. She's going out to the patio and looking all around. She's overturning the stuff in her garage. She looks and searches everywhere for this one coin until she finds it. And then when she finds the coin, she calls all of her friends. She calls all of the neighbors. She calls all of the people and says, Hey, I found what was lost. Come on over to my place. We're going to throw a party. It's going to be awesome. And then like all night long, these people are partying. And I imagine some of them are like, Are here for a coin? Like, just one coin? Like, what is going on? But that's what the Bible records. She throws a party for what became found. But it's a coin. It's just one coin. How much work did she go through to search and search for that coin? And then how much work did she go do to set up for the party and make sure everybody that was there? And then verse 10, the Bible records right after that, it says, and that's the kind of joy and celebration and party that goes on in heaven when one soul, when one person is no longer lost, but is found in Jesus. It seems a little crazy, right? 
Like if you really think about this story, it's like, what? This lady's insane. Like she lost one coin? The girl let it go. But that's not what happens. Like if you really picture this story, it seems foolish and insane that someone would go to such great lengths for something so small and insignificant. Unless you know the value of what was lost. Unless you know the value of what was lost. Unless you and I know the correct and true value of what was lost, this doesn't make sense. You see, because you've got to place the correct value of what is lost or the party makes no sense. Unless you and I place the correct value on something, we will not see it clearly. And please hear this. This can change the way that you see life and yourself. You've got to place the correct value on something to see it clearly. To us, This coin is small, insignificant, and of no value. But to this woman, this coin was worth a whole day's wage. It's of value to her. It's big and important. And because she knows the value, she sees it clearly and parties accordingly. She knows the value of what has become found. So she sees clearly how to respond, and she realizes... That she has a purpose to pardon. I want to encourage you tonight. That you are not small and insignificant to God. No. He sees your true value. He looks at you and he values you as big and important to him. He sees the truth that you and I don't see in ourselves sometimes. He sees the truth that you are, in fact, the child of God. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you, in this room right now, are the joy that is set before Jesus. That when Jesus thinks about you, joy overwhelms Him. The truth that you and I are fully loved by the God who created us. And He loves us so much that the Bible says that nothing can separate us from that love. The truth is, you are so valuable to God that the price that He paid for you was His Son. That you are so big and so important and so valuable to God that He said, how much? How much for them? Your Son. He said, okay, I'll send them. That's how valuable you are to God. You are not small and insignificant. Who told you that lie? Stop believing it. You are not of little value. Stop believing that lie. You are so highly valued and so highly loved that the God of everything sent His Son so that you could be free and experience His love. That the Bible says that He who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us, the worst of the worst, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That when God looks at you, He doesn't see your shame or your guilt or your past or your wrongdoings or your sin, but when He looks at you, He sees His perfect Son, Jesus. 
Because when Jesus came, He destroyed death. And He conquered the grave to show you that how valuable you are and how much you are loved cost the price of the only perfect person to ever grace this earth. And I want to encourage you tonight. When you and I start to see our life as God sees us, we stop paying attention to the lies that we are small and insignificant. And you start to believe the truth about who God says that you are. And that is highly valued and highly loved. Not small and insignificant, but big and important. Then you start to see your value clearly. And you start to understand that you are loved. And when you know how much you are loved, you realize and know that you have a purpose to party. That you don't have to wake up anymore and be like, man, today's going to suck. No, it ain't. I'm so highly valued and so loved by the God who created me. Oh, I got a purpose to party. These haters can hate on me all they want. They can laugh at the way I'm living my life all that they want. I got a purpose to party because the joy set before me says that I am loved, I am fully known, and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I want to encourage you tonight that as you roam the halls of your school, as you live in the home that you occupy, that you got a purpose to party because this God that created you He does not think that you are small or insignificant. He looks at you and He values you. And He looks at you and He loves you. And when you start to believe that truth, when you start to rest in that truth, when you start to lean back and lean in to the truth that you are valuable to God and that you are loved by God, you will realize and recognize that every single day of your life, you got a purpose to party, and His name is Jesus. Come on, let's pray together. God, we thank You so much that You love us so much that the Bible says that You sent Your Son for us, that if we were to believe in Him, we shall not perish but have eternal life. Lord God, we thank You that we didn't do anything to earn or deserve Your love, but that You sent Jesus for us. And from that place, we got a purpose to party. So Lord God, I ask right here and right now that every young person in this room would be known in this city as someone who has a purpose to party. And that when people look at their lives, they would see something so different, so awesome, so unique, so set apart, so favored, so joy-filled, that when they look at them, they would see a group of young people, a generation of young people partying. Because Jesus has set them free. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, everybody shout it. Amen. Amen. Y'all, let me give you another reason why you got a purpose to party. We got free pizza for days. You can stay as long as you want. We got another GC gathering coming up after y'all's midwinter break. We love you, GC. Have a great rest of the night. Thank you.